Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Praise God. Amen. You got, do you guys realize being a Christian is all about sacrifice? Do you really? Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the characteristics, I don't even say characteristics, the prerequisites to follow Jesus is that if any man will follow me, the first thing you got to do is deny yourself. You can't even pick up a cross till you deny yourself. People in here talking about they carrying crosses. Have you denied yourself first? Mm, that'll preach. Amen. Where are the veterans at in the house? Where they at? Yes, 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 yes. Mañana es el día dos los veteranos. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. So if you guys are in here, you got to treat a veteran. Something. Find one. Buy him something. Un tiempo para honrar a Dios que han luchado y servido. It's a time to honor those who have fought and served. Y que han servido a nuestro país y proteger nuestras libertades y nuestros hogares. And who still serve our country and protect our freedoms and our homes. Queremos decir cuanto apreciamos su dedicación y su disposición a sacrificar uh, por su pies y su gente. We want to say how much we appreciate you, your dedication, and your willingness to sacrifice for our country and its people. Somos una iglesia que respeta y honra a todos los que sirvieron en las fuerzas armadas de nuestra gran nación. We are a church that respects and honors all those who serve in our great nation's armed forces. Someone once wrote, it is a veteran, it's el veterano, not the preacher, who has freed, has given us freedom of religion. It was the veteran, not the reporter. Es el veterano, no el reportero, who gave us freedom of press. It was the veteran and not the poet. Es el veterano, no el poeta who has given us the freedom of speech, quien nos ha dado libertado de expresión. It is the veteran, not the lawyer. Es el veterano, no el abogado, who has given us the right to a fair trial. Quien nos ha dado el derecho a un juicio justo. It is the veteran and not the politician. Es el veterano, no el político, who has given us the right to vote. Quien nos ha dado el derecho de votar. Es el veterano que se pone en pie para la bandera, saluda la bandera y sirve bajo la bandera que nos da todos nuestras libertados, libertades. It is the veteran who defends the flag, salutes the flag, serves under the flag that gives us all our freedom. Amen. So I thank all of our veterans today. So how many people in here saw the movie Saving Private Ryan? You guys seen the movie? Okay, if you haven't, you have to go home and watch it today. The Lord just told me to tell you. Watch it today so tomorrow you can go out. After you watch that, you're going to go be nice to veterans. Amen? But anyway, let me just tell you about the movie. I, I suggest that you guys watch it. This, war, this movie takes place during World War II in, in, in France. The Defense Department receives a notice uh, that a family currently has four sons in the war theater. Three of those brothers have been killed in battle. Their fourth son is somewhere in France. They don't know where he is. They're trying to find him. So the army decides that no mother should have to suffer the tragedy of losing all four sons in a war. So they send a team after this son, Private Ryan. 
I just want to let you guys know, they didn't send the Marines. Definitely didn't send the Air Force. Didn't send the Navy. They sent the Army. Stan? Anyway. Not only was it an army, it was one of the elite fighting forces for that time. They were the airborne rangers that went in. This team had to overcome countless obstacles, not to mention the enemy, in their search for Private Ryan. Along the way, members of this eight-man team would be injured and killed. They began to ask these questions. Why is the life of one private more important than the lives being sacrificed to bring him home? Why is this life more important than theirs? And I'm sure that's a question that all of us would ask ourselves. Why would one person's life be more valuable than ours? I got a family. I want to go home to them. So what was going on? So Tom Hanks, who's the captain, he's the leader of this group of these rangers. He says, he goes, he does, he does his best. Actually, he does his best to maintain the unity because anytime people are like that in a group start complaining, you start getting division. Amen. So he tries to keep their focus. He tells them it's not their place to question, but rather accept their mission and carry out their orders. Their duty is to their country, and their country just asks them to save Private Ryan. Don't we get that twisted sometimes? We get so focused on what we were asked to do and forget that we are committed to serve the country. And when the country asks you to do something, you're looking at what you have to do instead of, I'm going to fulfill that which my commander-in-chief has asked me to do. Hmm. So anyway, through the movie, as the movie goes on, they finally locate Private Ryan. They tell him he has orders to get home. They told him that your brothers, your three other brothers, they're all dead. They, on D-Day, all of them died. And he feels real bad and everything, but he looks at him and he says, listen, I can't go with you. What a slap in the face. Dudes just died getting here, and now you're going to tell me that you're not going to come? He says, listen, you don't understand. I feel bad for my family, my, my blood family, but I have a new family. I have a family that I've been in foxholes with and that I've done battle with. I have brothers here that have the same like mind and they're fighting the same battle that I'm fighting. I'm sticking with my brothers. Sounds like church. Anyway, so I'm going to stick with my brothers. And, and Tom Hanks looks at him and he doesn't want to, but he says, look, I've been charged to, take, to protect you and bring you home. So this is what I'm going to do since you refuse. I'm going to stay we're going to protect this bridge because those were your orders. I'm going to stay here with you. We'll protect the bridge from these enemy tanks crossing, but you got to stay out of harm's way. See, Private Ryan didn't feel justified in leaving for freedom and safety and leaving his brothers to fight because he felt like, why should I leave and be safe? But I have brothers that are going to still be here dying. So a bloody war ensues. The battle happens. More guys die, and in the whole thing, Tom Hanks gets shot. And as they, they free, they won the battle. Tom Hanks is sitting there, and he's sitting down, leaned up against the wall. He's bleeding out. Life is leaving him, and he's looking around. And I can tell just in his mind, he's taking everything in about how he risked his life and the life of his men. He sees some of his men down dead, and as he's doing that, Private Ryan, who's still alive, walks up to him. And he looks at him, he tells Private Ryan to come here, and he grabs him by his neck, and he is a famous scene. Every time I see it, it still breaks me down when I see it. He really leans up to him, and his final words to Private Ryan is, earn this. Earn this. In other words, go home and live in such a way that you deserve the lives sacrificed to save you. Earn this. Ooh. Ooh. Earn this. How many of us here today are living a life that deserves those that have died for our freedoms? How many times have we spit in the face of those that have fought for our freedoms in this country by living loosely? We have to earn this. Colossians 1 and 10 says this, 
that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Earn this. I don't know if you guys can tell this or not, but I'm a veteran. And maybe you could tell by the tattoo flag on my arm, my unit patch, but I'm a veteran. And I'm proud of it. I earned the right to be called a veteran. I've been through the crucibles. I've been through the trials and tribulations. I've lost friends. I've saved people. I've done all kinds of things. I've earned this right, and I fulfilled my commitment. I fulfilled my commitment to say that I've earned the right, that I've done everything that I had to do to be earned, to be called a veteran, to be called a soldier. And saints of God, as Christians, we ought to also earn the right to be called soldiers. God called us to be soldiers in the what? The army. They even made a song. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. We are soldiers in the army. So you guys, you guys, it's in the army of the Lord. I know the Air Force got us there. You, you took the Marines. Took the Marines. Anyway, let's talk about saints. Let's talk about what it takes to be a veteran of the faith of Christ, something we all should be a part of. Now, I don't know if any of you guys are up on anything. Anybody know what OEF was? There was OEF and OIF. Anybody a part of OEF, any of our veterans? Okay, OEF was Operation Enduring Freedom. That's when, right after 9-11, President Bush declared OEF, and he started sending over, we started bombing uh, overseas in the Middle East, and we started bombing Afghanistan in parts of Iraq. We did all that, and they called that mission Operation Enduring Freedom. That's, that's during the time I was in. So um, all of us need to be a part of this mission, OEF, and it's not Operation Enduring Freedom. What it stands for is obey, engage, and fight. If you want to be a part of the Lord's army, if you want to earn this, then you have to obey, engage, and fight. So the number one thing that we have to do as, as being soldiers, being veterans, in the army of the Lord is obey the commander. This reminds me of a story that I once uh, heard about this Air Force major. He had just got promoted, and he became a wing commander, so he's a colonel, and he's sitting, he has his brand new office, and he's sitting there, and he's looking, and all of a sudden, a young airman comes and knocks on the door, so he wanted to look important, so he grabbed the phone real quick and sat down, and he started going, yeah, yes, yes, General, yes. Right away, I'll get it done, no problem. I'll let the president know uh, as soon as I talk to him later on today. Yes, okay, out. Hangs up the phone, turns, looks at the airman, looks at the airman and goes, what do you want? Airman says, I'm sorry, it's nothing important. I just came to hook up your phone. <laughs> Listen, some people have authority and some people just pretend to have authority. Some people have authority and some just want to be in authority. Listen, you guys, our president, while we may not agree with what he does, and definitely not with everything he says, he's still our commander-in-chief. And because we are Christians, we need to be praying for him daily. Maybe <laughs> said every moment. You guys are like, no, pray without ceasing. Just as a side note, you know, he's our commander in chief. If he fails, we fail. Do you guys get that? So to wish anything bad on him is wishing something bad on you. It's like you're going, you know what? I can't stand my heart. I hope it fails. You may not have chosen, you may not have picked him, but right now he's doing the job. You better pray that he finds Jesus Christ. <laughs> mm -hmm. Come on. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says this. You therefore must endure 
hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people right now that are talking about how hard times are, and they're complaining, but you know what? Complaining never got you anywhere. The Bible says endure it. Soldiers endure hardship. Hmm. I don't know what Navy guys do. I don't know what Air Force guys do, but soldiers, I'm going to leave you guys alone. I'm going to leave you alone. No one engages in warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. I could stop right there, and we all need to be at the altar repenting because we get so caught up in what's going on in the world that we're forgetting about our calling and our duties and our orders from our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. Upset with the president and, and, and whoever's in charge that we're, not, we're forgetting, we're complaining, getting entangled with what they're doing instead of getting on our knees and fighting this battle spiritually. Our ultimate commander-in-chief is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 and 22 says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He is our commander-in-chief. What he tells us, when he gives us orders and tells us what to do, we ought to do them. We can't sit down and say, well, I don't, I don't. We have a hard time. I could sit down. Everybody in here would say, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. Well, if you believe he's Lord, do you, is he the Lord of your life? Do you know that the demons are still subject to him? The demons call him Lord. Fallen angels call him Lord. And they tremble. They are subject to him. But they are disobedient. But if Jesus tells them to do something, they know authority, they have to do it. That's why when you act out in the power of Jesus that's in you and you rebuke a demon in Jesus' name, they have to submit to that authority. Just like with my sergeant, my NCO tells me to do something, get something done, I can turn around and tell somebody else to do it, but when I'm telling them to do it, it's not from my authority, it's from somebody else's authority. So I'm acting in the authority of, of, of my NCOIC. Oh, you guys, the non-commissioned officer in charge. Yes. We need to listen to Jesus. Luke 6 and 46 says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? You know what? It's saying to God, the biggest problem we have as Christians is this. We know we all, whether you believe it or not, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's a Savior to those that haven't even accepted him. He's a Savior of the world. But the problem isn't about him being a Savior. He came and saved the world. The problem is, is not making him Lord over your life. Sin is not keeping people out of heaven. It's making Jesus your Lord is what's keeping people out of heaven. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. To the world, he gave his only begotten son as a sacrifice. That those who believe on him, not believe his existence, but those that follow him, those that have made him Lord of their lives. That's the only thing. The Bible says the demons believe, but yet they tremble. They ain't going to heaven. Navy guys. Let me tell you a story about this Navy guy. This Navy guy, right, got, got to join the Navy, right? So he joined the Navy. Why he's in the Navy, he goes up and he says, he goes to his officer. He says, look, um, I need to get this weekend off. Can I get leave? He says, sure. He goes, gives him leave. He says, be back Sunday, 7 a.m. He goes, uh, well, I can't be back. I need to be back later than that. I'm in a wedding. I have to be back. And his commander looked at him and goes, excuse me, you're in the Navy. You guys didn't get that. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, I don't get it. You know, so many of us talk about what we have to do, but you forget about your obligations. Yeah, you may be in this wedding, but your first obligation is the Navy, and I told you to be back here at 7. Doesn't that kind of sound like our kids? Anybody kids, you're like, look, I want you home at 11, but the party don't start till 10. <laughs> I bet you it does, but you're going to be home at 11. And you better not come in here at 1101. 
we have to understand about our commitment. When we give our lives to Christ, our first commitment is to him. That's why I said earlier, no soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this world. We, we don't do that. We are, it's first, we seek the kingdom of God first, and then these other things. The second thing we have to do, we have to engage the enemy. If we want to be a veteran, if we want to be a soldier in the Lord's army, we have to engage the enemy. We have to fight the enemy. We can't sit back and wait. We have to go out and fight him. I'm going to give you a story about this great American hero. He's a hero to me and to many others. His name was Patrick Tillman. You guys don't know who Patrick Tillman is. He was an NFL football player. He played football, NFL, pro, played. He wasn't just somebody off and on. Gave up playing football because after 9-11, he saw what happened and said, I'm not going to sit back and allow this to happen to my country. And he went and he joined the army. Not only did he join the army, he became an airborne ranger, one of the elite fighting forces in the army. So Patrick Tillman was just from the point that he signed up, he knew that he may be giving his life for the sake of his country. So while he was over in Afghanistan, he was with his uh, unit, and as they were doing a patrol, his unit got uh, ambushed, and the, the, the unit broke up. There was Series 1 and Series 2. I believe it was Series 2 uh, was able to make it out. They got one, uh, one meter, I mean one kilometer down the road, and as they got down, they were out, they were out of the ambush, but Series 1 was still in it. So Series 2 got, got up and took high ground to be overwatched to help them get out, and when they got up high... They, seen, they saw the ensuing firefight, and they began to shoot, so they were exchanging fire. And all this ended up happening was Pat Tillman gets shot by friendly fire. They didn't realize that the firing that was going on was between each other. They were fighting each other. And what happened? Patrick Tillman got killed. A lot of people say it's tragedy, but to be honest with you guys, because if you're never in the military, you really don't realize that a lot of times it happens. You know, I believe it was in the Iraq war back in the 90s that we actually killed more of our own people than the enemy killed of us because things happen. But I say that to say this. In church, we're so busy looking for the enemy and we're looking around trying to fight the enemy that we turn around and we start fighting each other. And before you know it, there's a casualty of our battle. Saints of God, we need to understand that our battle is not against ourselves. It's not against each other. We are all on the same team. But see, if you guys are a little bit spiritual and have some kind of discernment, you, when somebody's acting crazy towards you, you're able to look not at them and what they're doing, but you're able to look behind them and see what's pushing them to do that. How many people's ever saw the win? Nobody's ever seen the win. You don't see the win. You see the results of the win. Watch this. So, Peter, anytime you're doing something of faith, God will open up your discernment. He'll open up your eyes of discernment. Peter out there on the boat. Jesus, is that you? Yes. If it is, bid me to come. Come. Everybody talks about the great miracle of walking on water. I think that's just the second miracle because when he walked on water, it said as he began to walk in faith and get closer to Jesus, the scripture says he saw the wind boisterous. He saw the wind. You can't see the wind. The waves were blowing contrary against the boat, contrary, going against the boat, trying to keep him from where he was going. And he saw the wind. He saw that which was causing the waves to hit his boat. If we have that type of discernment, if we are following Jesus, we will have that type of discernment to see the wind that's driving people to act crazy towards you. I, I, let me connect the dots. It said, is now the prince of the power of the air that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He's the prince of the power of air. You can't see air. But there's this, 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 this contrary wind that blows, and people, children of disobedience, they start acting crazy. Yeah. It's like, man, what, what did I do? You didn't do nothing. You're following God. You stepped out on the water. You're walking in faith. You're getting closer to Jesus, and these people are going to come against you and try to keep, keep yeah, contrary is trying to get against you and keep you from getting to Jesus, but God will open up your eyes to see it. But what we do as Christians, we see somebody that had a bad day. We don't realize we had a bad day. We just see that they're being mean to us. So we want to get mean back. Forget what the Scripture says. Pray for those that despitefully use you. We don't want to do that. It's like, you, you say something to me, uh-uh, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. 
No, the Bible don't say give him, give him a piece of your mind. I think it says I have the mind of Christ. But we want to give him our two cents. Now, you don't do that to me. You know, I'm going to be like Jesus up in here. I'm going to start turning over tables and whipping people. <laughs> if you had eyes of discernment, you would be able to do like Jesus did. Watch this. When the storm was blowing and everybody was acting in fear, what did he do? He went out to the boat and said, peace, be still. He told the storm, the wind that was blowing, contrary to where they were going, to stop. Peace, be still. We have to engage the enemy. And guess what? Our warfare is not flesh and blood. Come on, you guys, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's us. We don't fight amongst each other, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. Do you know that a principality isn't something you touch? It's something that's in the air. It's an atmosphere. I'm connecting the dots for you. How do we engage our enemies? How do we engage anything? We engage them on our knees in prayer. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says this, be self-controlled and be, be alert. Be sober, be vigilant. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's walking around waiting for some of us Christians that aren't going to church, that are when we do go to church, we go home and we're by ourselves, and he tries to attack us because we're by ourselves. I wish you guys would watch some of those National Geographic or whatever those things are because a lion never picks out somebody in the herd. They'll chase the herd around, but the herd's always running together. They're like... You guys know what I mean? They be running together like. So, and they can't find. But when they do that, you know what they look for? They look for one going, no, nah, I don't want to go that way. I'm going to go this way. And when that one runs out there, that's all they was waiting on. they like, dinner time. Watch this. If you knew that's how the enemy does his work, you would make sure you wouldn't forsake the fellowship. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 10, 25. Ah, yeah, you mean, so, so when, when, you know, because, you know, you guys, look, uh, I don't go to church. I am the church. I got Jesus in me, so therefore, he's in me and I'm the church. You trying to wonder why you got so many problems. Because you're forsaking the fellowship of the church. If you're by yourself, how are you going to confess your faults one to another and pray for one another? Let me tell you guys, there's a guy named Joe Lewis. Some of you guys may remember him. He's, he's, he's a legend. Joe Lewis, the brown bomber. He was a boxer. Joe Lewis, um, back in the 30s, became the uh, heavyweight champion of the world. This was before Mike Tyson, you guys. He was bad, okay? Um, Joe Lewis defended his title, um, was it 30? 30-some times, over 15 years, it was 25 times. Defended his title 25 times over 15 years. A 15-year career of boxing. Man, that's big. I think like his last, he was like 157 years old his last fight. It was, it was something like that. He was still fighting. He didn't... Anyway, so they interviewed, they interviewed him. It's like, how were you so successful for 15 years defending your title 25 times? How did you do it? He goes, it's simple. I knew my enemy. I would study my enemy more than I would practice doing what I had to do. Because if I knew my enemy, I could beat him. I, I know his, his tactics. That sounds like a scripture. So, so what happened is, because he knew their tactics, he knew how to fight them. He knew how to engage in the fight. Saints of God, we have to know the enemy's vices. We have to know his tactics. We have to know how he attacks us, because if we are up on game on how he's going to attack us, then we're going to recognize when it's something from the enemy. And we'll know how to engage. We'll know how to fight it. 
And so many of us are just, we're, we, we don't realize that there's things happening to us in our lives and not realizing it's an attack from the enemy. We have to have a spiritual plan of attack. It's like, oh, okay, I see. I know what you're doing, Satan. Mm-mm. Let me get down and pray and bind that up in the Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I know one time when I, was, when I first got saved, you guys, I was in church every day, right? And we used to have prayer meetings on Tuesday nights. And the same deacon every Tuesday would get up and pray. And he'd get up, and, and this is an old school church, and he began to pray. He'd say, Lord God, we thank you on today. We thank you for your mercy and grace. Lord, we thank you today. We ask that you anoint the pastor. We ask that you bring your blessings in this house. And he would keep praying, and we'd go on and on and on. And at the end of every prayer, he would say, God, I ask you today, that you will remove the cobwebs from out of my mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Every Tuesday, the prayer would end with God remove the cobwebs from out of my mind. Me being a new Christian, I got tired of it. So one Tuesday after he said amen, I walked up to him and I was like, hey, Dick. He's like, yes, Brother Butcher. I said, why don't you just pray to kill the spiders in your mind? <laughs> Isn't that just like us? See, some of you may not have got it, and that's, the, that's a problem. a problem. If you didn't get this, I feel like Jesus, look, if you get this parable, you're going to get them all. Here's the problem, saints. Why you keep asking God to remove the symptoms instead of asking God to remove the problem? You ain't got a weight problem. You got an eating problem. Is it the truth? God, I, I want you to help me with my weight. God says, I want to help you with what you're eating. If you remove the spiders, you don't have any cobwebs. But you know what the problem is for most of us as Christians? We love our sin. We just hate the, 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 um, the, the torment. We hate it. People love to get drunk. They don't like the hangover. I just had to say it in a way so you'd understand it. It's fun getting drunk, but then you get a hangover. You're like, oh, I drank so much last night. It's the torment. But you know what? You go, I'm going to do it again because I love it. If there's any way I could get drunk and not have a hangover. It's funny because y'all looking at me. I know some of y'all said it. If there's a way I could smoke this crack cocaine without having a heart attack. Get out of there. If I can have these physical relationships with somebody without getting emotionally tied. You know, trying to, trying to exercise and cast demons out of people. You know, one of the biggest problems we have as saints is because people want to get rid of the torment, but they love the sin. And you're casting in Jesus' name, I command you to come out. And I command you to go in dry places. And they're, ah, ah, they're yelling. And you're like, get, come out. And Jesus, that, anybody that wants to be free, watch this. And I go, get out, Jesus' name, out. Boom, they're gone. Because I have authority of Christ. There is no fighting. This ain't the exorcist movie. But I'm going to tell you, this is when you have problems because the person doesn't want to get rid of the sin. They just don't like the torment. You look all through the Bible. People that wanted to be free ran to Jesus' feet while they were possessed. 
and by the authority of God, and he looks and he says, they're looking, please, master, don't torment us before it's time. What you want me to do? Uh, cast us into those swine. Go. A legion. But when we want to hold on to our sin and somebody lays hands on you in the name of Jesus, and they're pouring oil on you and they're slapping you and pushing you to the ground, that demon ain't coming out. Guess what? I, I, look, at, I look at people, I'm like, leave them alone. Leave them alone. They want it. And when they come to a point of repentance and when they are sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's when God can do something with them. I hope somebody's listening to me. Praise God. Saints of God, we have to do, we have to do, um, fight the enemy by doing faith stuff in life. We're able to engage him because as we're doing faith things, God's moving us. He's opening up our eyes of discernment, and we will get the knowledge on how and where to pray. But when we get so earthly and so fleshly when we're trying to do spiritual stuff, we just become frustrated. You guys, you guys get that? We're so busy trying to fight a spiritual battle fleshly. We can run around and call all kinds of scriptures. You know what? My phone can quote scriptures, but it ain't got no power. <laughs> it, can, it can quote every scripture and everything. If I tell it to read, I can be like, read this, and, and he'll, he'll read it. But it has no power, and that, a lot of us are just like these iPhones. We're quoting scriptures in all kinds of places and all kinds of things, but there ain't no power. It's because we're, we're quoters of the word, not doers of the word. Yeah, you're watching all these karate movies, and the next thing you know, you get in a fight. You don't know karate. But I watch the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to church. I hear the sermons. But when something spiritual comes up, you like. And get beat down. Trying to tap spiritually. Tap. You're like. Devil got you in an arm bar. Anyway. As I bring this to a close, the last thing you have to do to be a veteran, to be a soldier in the army, is fight to the end. Fight to the end. Some of us in here are in major fights. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, the one thing, and I'm just going to share, I'm just going to be open. When I go through depression and my depression bouts, and there's nothing they can do about it, it just happens. You know, people are saying, you know, people are like, man, cheer yourself up. It, it just happens. It's, something, it's an, a chemical imbalance. It's something that happens in my life, the anxiety. I, you know, people, well, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not either. Trust me. I'm not afraid of nothing, but I have anxiety attacks. It, it just happens. But when it happens to me, and I'm in these places, in these dark places, I sit down and I have to start telling myself, I'm a soldier. I am a soldier. This is just a hard time. I'm going to endure this. I'm not even going to ask God to remove it because if he's allowing it to happen, I know that there's grace Amen. for me to endure this fight. And I'm going to push through this fight. See, that's, that, that's one thing I wish I could share with you. And if anybody's watching uh, us on Facebook, I'm going to share something with you. You have to finish the fight. And you're not finished with the fight until the Lord brings you home, not yourself. Don't you kill yourself. Don't take your life. I know times are hard. I know it's dark outside, but I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the light of the world for your dark times, for your dark hours, that he will give you power. He will give you strength. He says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. See, there's times I need to wait on God. When I'm sitting there and I got to say, God, I'm a soldier, and I just start talking to myself. Because ain't nobody at this point in time. My wife is, she's, she's struggling trying to cheer me up, but she can't. I just got to get somewhere and start talking to God. God, I'm a soldier. Yeah. And I'm going to endure this hardship with your help. Yeah. Your grace is sufficient. So I'm going to glory in this right now. I'm going to glory in this depression. I'm going to glory because guess what? When I'm weak, you're strong. Yes, yes. It's going to be during this time, Lord, that the power of God is going to rest upon me. Hallelujah. You said it in your word. So as I begin to encourage myself, it doesn't mean that the situation gets better. I just know that I'm pressing through. 
And every time I have one of those bouts and I make it through it, guess what? I'm stronger. And there's times I'll be in those those moods and I'll be looking for people. I'm like, okay, I'm going to encourage. God, you're going to give me a grace that as I give out. You know, the Bible says give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together and running over. Yeah, yeah, we use it for money, but let me tell you about some grace. There's some times in my life I need grace. I feel like preaching right now. There's some times I need grace in my life. And all I know is I sit down and I keep asking, I keep asking. God says, well, with the little bit of grace you got, what are you going to do with it, John? What are you going to do with it? So with the little bit of grace I got, I try to find somebody to pour out some healing, to pour out some encouraging. And as I encourage somebody, all of a sudden, God can't get a, a give me encouragement but until I start giving it. As I start giving it, I become a funnel of encouragement. And as I'm encouraging, I get encouraged. I'm encouraging, I get encouraged. And as I'm giving grace, I get grace. He gives seed to the sower. But I got to fight this fight. Some of you guys in here are spiritually timid. You need to get an attitude. You got to be strong, flat-footed, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, saying, God, I know you got a plan for me, and I refuse to give in to this right now. I'm going to stand here, God. I'm going to wait upon you. I'm going to do what I got to do to get through this today. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sharing something with you that I've read. I'm sharing something with you that I go through. Stan, you know what I'm talking about. I have to share this. Matthew 10, 22. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. People are going to hate you because of your faith. That's why you don't need to try to hide it when you're around people. You're sitting there going, well, I didn't want to overwhelm them with my... No. The fear of man is a snare. Look, I got people in here that love me, and you do too, because of your faith. But everybody else is going to hate you, including people that say they're Christians. Oh, well, you're going to have more haters than people loving you. But the only important thing is, is that God loves you. Trying to tell you, trying to tell you, we got to fight to the end. Matthew 24 and 12, 14 says, Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Can I just share something with you? Next year we're going to be talking about this, but... It says here that because lawlessness will abound, lawlessness is already abounding. They're calling evil good. And I'm talking about law, lawlessness. When it says lawlessness, they're talking about the law of God, not the law of the land. It's abounding. But pastor, I thought the law was passed away. It's not passed away. We'll break it all down. You guys, make sure you're here. We'll break down what the law is about the three different parts of the law and that the law is here to stay. The Ten Commandments are here. They were never left. God said, I wrote them on stone, but now I will write them upon your heart. Yeah. It's here. It's not gone. There, there, there's the ceremony law. Okay, I don't have to get into it. But listen, lawlessness will abound. And then it goes on. It says, because the love of many will wax cold. It will grow cold. It doesn't mean that there isn't love. But what people are saying nowadays, watch this. It's okay to love. Isn't love okay? God is love. So what? Love is love. It's not. It's a worldly love that is trying to say that it's God's love. God's love is different from the world's love. There is an eros love, and then there's an agape love. And the world is trying to feed us this fake agape love that love is just oh, this big, broad, 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 round thing. It's not. 
the Bible tells us specifically what God is. He is love, and he explains it to us. But because the scriptures are coming true, the world, the end is coming. It's upon us. Awakening. I'm gonna close this. I'm doing pretty good with time. I had a rude awakening, Saints. I joined the military. Rude awakening. <laughs> By the way, I was 27 when I joined the military. 27. I was out here doing things I wasn't supposed to do. But the Lord saw fit to give me an opportunity to join the military. I didn't realize that joining the military wasn't a nine to five. on, you guys. I, fi- I figured I got in the military, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get a job. What are my hours? <laughs> they like, you deploying. Wait, 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 what? You, yeah, you're you working all day. We'll all we have to do is let you get four hours of sleep. That's what the law is in the military. Four hours of sleep, and the rest is ours. That's why I sleep four hours to this day. <laughs> Rude awakening. I thought it was a nine to five when it was a 24-7. And that's the problem with the church. We think our job as Christians is nine to five. I'm going to do this and this and on Sundays and then on Tuesdays and, and then I'm going to go home and it's time off. Work at the church is done. No, our work is 24-7. There is ministry in the church, but there is ministry at home. There's ministry in our workplaces. There is ministry wherever we are going. The Bible says that we are the light of the world. A light doesn't just put itself out and put it back on. Our light is to shine. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works, which shall glorify your Father in heaven. It's just the military did me good in being a Christian. I'm picky. I'm a picky eater. My wife drives her crazy. She just rolled her eyes at me. Because <laughs> she loves to cook. She's a great cook, but I don't eat all that stuff. So I joined the military, picky, picky eater. And I remember our first time going to the DFAT, place to eat, dining facility. So I'm standing in line of basic training, and I'm hungry. I'm walking up, and they had some kind of beef stew. I don't eat beef stew. I don't even like gravy. I don't. I, like, I don't like wet meat. I, nasty. Anyway, anyway, I'm going in, and I look at the mess sergeant. I'm like, mess sergeant, I don't like stew. Is there any other choices that I have? He goes, certainly, private. We got other, other choices. He said, take it or leave it. <laughs> Stop. Saints of God, that's what it's like serving God. There's stuff that we may not like. But the choice is, either you're going to take it or you're going to leave it. God gives you an assignment. Yeah, I know you don't like your job and where you at, but God didn't put you on that job to bless you. He put you on that job to be a blessing to other people. Deny yourself. Your salary is just a bonus to your ministry. You're at your job. You need to be shining your light every day. Well, I work for the state. I can't really talk about it. I work for the government. I can't talk about Jesus. Yes, you can. I used to love it, I, you know, because I made sure I stood out. I was extra friendly. I worked for the VA. I'm an extra friendly. And then somebody would come in, and they'd say something to me, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Well, praise God anyway. And they go, praise God. You believe in that, Jesus? Yes, I certainly do. Why do you believe in it? I'm glad you asked. Because as soon as they ask, the door is open. I had my own little sanctuary before I became a pastor. It was an x-ray room, cat scan room. I used to call my wife telling people, I said, the guy got full of the Holy Ghost today, right? Right in the CT room. Got people saved, delivered, demons out of people, all at the VA in Martinez. Amen. 
So I'm going to close with this. I thought it was my third time saying that, right? That's most, that's most fast. That's, that's because I was doing this earlier. And as I close, because of my heart condition, you guys, and this may be morbid, but because of my heart condition, I often sit down and think about how my death will be. And, and I like to think of being an old man. I like to think that I'll become an old man and, you know, be completely bald, well, bald now, but maybe my eyebrows will be gone. More gray. I picture myself laying in my bed and my family around me and them looking at me and I'm looking at them and I say the same thing that Paul says. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want to say that. But watch this, though, saints. You got to earn it to say it. Paul earned it. I want to earn it. I want to walk a life that's worthy of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. I want to walk a life with all the freedoms that I have here, worthy of the sacrifices that all the veterans paid for, for us to live, to, to come and assemble, to come in here and, and preach the gospel, to go to our schools, to go ahead and stand out and say what we don't like and what we do like. A veteran died for us to have those freedoms. And Jesus died for us to have a freedom from sin and shame. And I want to live a life worthy of that. I want to be like Paul who was shipwrecked, snake bit, put in prison, beat to death, lost everything for the sake of Jesus Christ. It's not until I get to that point where I can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have earned this. Amen? Stand to your feet. Amen, amen. Listen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.